Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make an income while traveling the world. And our guest today is Nikki Cullen. I actually know him from Vancouver, BC, Canada, uh, through a series of different events, workshops, conferences, etc. And now Nikki's actually not in Vancouver, and neither am I. I'm actually here in uh, Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean, in the middle of the rainy season. So it's actually raining like crazy out uh, outside of uh, uh, my hotel, my guest house here. And they actually closed the entire island in terms of um, um, flights. Uh, so all the flights got canceled, uh, both arriving and departing from the island. So I'm here stuck on an island, uh, but I love it because Trinidad is a great place to be stuck in uh, doing interviews such as, the, as these ones. Uh, so Nikki's on another island, uh, nowhere near the Caribbean. He's over there in Bali, Indonesia, and uh, uh, he works as a coach, author, writer, and much more. Uh, so we'll be uh, finding out about Nikki's journey uh, from the UK to Canada to Indonesia and beyond. And we'll be asking him about um, uh, his specialty and his focus in helping people over, uh, overcome anxiety, which I think most of us face to different degrees. So I'm really looking forward to learning his insights. So Nikki, uh, to start off with, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background for the sake of the viewers and listeners. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Ricky. Well, I guess, uh, first of all, Ireland, not the UK. I feel like I have to... Uh, <laughs> sorry, that. sorry, sorry. I got, I stand corrected. Uh, it, it's all fun and games. Yeah, so I, I moved over to Vancouver about geez, four and a half years ago now. And I was just really unhappy with life and what I was doing. And um, yeah, I made the move to Vancouver. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Just wanted to change career. Had a few ideas. Ended up, Vancouver is a tough place to get settled. Uh, a lot of competition. And then I was doing things just to get my permanent residency that, that I didn't necessarily enjoy or anything like that. But, you know, I was trapped by the beauty of Vancouver and, and that kind of dream lifestyle. Then my visa ran out and I was, you know, work put me on unpaid leave and I got to come out to Bali. Originally planned to do that for six months. Um, and then six months went by, I went back, I got my permanent residency went back to Vancouver and I was in Vancouver for about six weeks. And I guess I'd started working on my own at that stage. I wasn't going to go back into an office or anything like that. And after, after three weeks I was here going, I'm going back to Bali. <laughs> you know, the lifestyle out here is just incredible. You know, like you have these co-working spaces. I'm in Dojo, Bali. Uh, the beach is five minutes away. It's full of entrepreneurs, digital nomads, expats, whatever you want to call them, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And it creates a really, really great community. Um, and Changu and Bali in itself are just amazing places to be. So every day I kind of fall more in love with this island. Um, and now I just kind of consider it home because I've been here, I've been here pushing well pushing two years at this stage and i'm here going like how did that happen so i've given up on all planning in life uh, let's see what happens <laughs> in the future awesome awesome you know i love it uh, that's part of uh, being a digital nomad is that you have the freedom to work from anywhere if you like it you can stay if you don't you can depart uh so tell us about uh, your choices 
I mean, you, uh, life is a choice. I think we all know that. And not just a choice, a series of choices. Uh, and uh, some are well planned and some are not. But uh, regardless, life happens through our choices and decisions. Uh, what made you leave Ireland uh, to Canada? And uh, what made you choose Bali? So tell us a little bit about the trajectory in terms of the choices. You could uh, obviously choose anywhere out of the 193 countries in the world. What made you uh, particularly fond of Canada and Indonesia? Um, I didn't really give it too much consideration. I mean, like, it, I guess it was lifestyle that pushed me everywhere. So when I, when I chose to go to, to Vancouver, the draw of being able to snowboard at the weekends or even in the evenings after the work was, was a strong pull. Um, the reason I left Ireland was simply because, well, the crash had happened and opportunities weren't plentiful and, I was really, you know, like I, I battled bad anxiety and depression on top of that as well. Um, and why I really liked the, the people I worked with, I really didn't like see much of a career for myself in that particular role. Um, so, yeah, basically I just, I was here going, enough, enough is enough, you know. There comes a time where you have to make a decision, I have to make a choice, right? And like I was just sitting in limbo feeling sorry for myself for about five years was really comfortable there because like as i said i really got on with my colleagues i've never worked in an office where i got on so well with the people i worked with so that 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 was kind of the the draw making me be lazy and not do anything about it but enough is enough um i had one one of my good friends is over in vancouver so i just applied for a visa kept getting this thing like uh only 500 left ireland gets about 3000 or maybe 5000 every year i don't know what it is now then I get another email, 200 left, and I'm here, oh, I've missed it, I've missed it. And it came down 50 left, and that day, I didn't do any work that day, and I was just frantically typing out my forms in the office. And I got it by about a day, and then, like, work already knew that I was, I was, I was on my way out, so I just told them I got the visa, and that, that was cool. So I was gone within a few months, and Vancouver was a new journey. And then, and I kind of went with, with the mindset that that was definitive. Um, yeah, and who knew I would have been like approaching two years in Bali five years later. Um, so I don't make plans anymore. I, I certainly yes. don't. I certainly don't verbalize them. <laughs> Especially if you're on a podcast like this one, because uh, it will be there forever until Christ returns. <laughs> yeah, I'll be living in Dubai or somewhere like that. You know. <laughs> so, uh, tell us about life in Bali. I mean, I I've been to Indonesia. I spent about uh, two months there. I traveled uh, from Sumatra to Java to Bali to Lombok to Sulawesi um, oh, wow. to Commodore. Uh, West Timor, East Timor. So I've done uh, most of the major islands, and I absolutely love Indonesia, the people, the food, the culture, uh, yeah, everything about it. And obviously, Bali is a digital nomad hotspot. Uh, I've actually interviewed, I think, five guests from uh, Bali on this uh, show. Uh, Fred really? Di Manuel, Olivia Keen, uh, um, um, Jennifer Conley, and a couple more. Um, Susan, oh, Susan Miles. So uh, there's at least four or five different interviews of Vancouver oh, wow. people who are actually in Bali of all places. So uh, yeah, tell us about what drew you into Bali in terms of why why are you there two years later? You obviously like something about it. Uh, you know, is it the yeah. girls? Is it the food? Is it the lifestyle? Is it all of the above? The girls are beautiful. The food is amazing. 
lifestyle is amazing. Um, to be honest, I when I was in Vancouver, I met a few people that had um, used to spend their winters in, in Bali, heard a lot about it, and I just I knew I wanted to, to kind of throw myself in the deep end of something else. And I wasn't I wasn't bothered doing any research or anything like that. So the second the opportunity presented itself, I just bought I, I bought a ticket to Bali. I didn't I didn't know what I was I did I didn't know a thing about Bali. I arrived, I was in Taiwan and I had one friend who was living in Ubud, which is the center, and that's kind of the real spiritual place. And I'm there messaging him going what am I supposed to do when I land? <laughs> and he organized a driver for me. And I, I, I went up to Ubud. I, I booked an Airbnb in Taiwan as well. And then I stay, I ended up staying in Ubud for a month. Um, and then I realized I was on a tropical island and I'm in the center, you know, when I should be surfing and stuff like that. Ubud really wasn't for me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, it's a, it's a little bit far out from, from my taste. So I just moved down to Changu. Um, yeah, I haven't left. Love it here. So no plans. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All an accident. And Everything I've done is an accident. <laughs> you know, a, a spontaneous, uh, well-intentional accident. So now that you are in uh, Bali, uh, tell us about uh, what kind of work you're doing to support yourself, uh, to survive. Uh, uh, you know, as a digital nomad, obviously you need to work online or work locally. So tell us about some of the stuff you're doing. Yeah, um, I mean, primarily I write and I do I co- write and coaching. So, and I hate the word coaching, but I guess that's what it is. Um, specifically with people that suffer from anxiety disorders or uh, panic disorder or the associated depression that comes along with that. Like they're the they're the people I work with on a one to one basis. Um, you know, so. It's not not to say that I'm not affected by anxiety any or, or anything like that anymore. I think everyone is to some degree, but it used to consume all aspects of my life and affect every decision I made, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so whether I'm one step or ten steps ahead of them, you know, I don't know how, but they get value in it and they, they seem to do really well out of the experience. And then writing is just something I've always loved. So I do I do write for other people, and I write for my own blog as well. And I've written a book on the side, which is actually you know a hundred thousand words of a bit of a mess at this stage that needs some careful craft of editing and things like that, which I'll come back to hopefully next month. I've just got some other pressing issues at the moment. Um, and thanks uh, for sharing about the anxiety and depression. I know it's a serious topic. We're joking around in the podcast so far, but uh, with anxiety and depression, it can be quite uh, um, um, the, uh, what's the word? <laughs> uh, it can actually destroy you uh, on every level, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, uh, you know, like in terms of your social life, et cetera. Uh, just a quick backstory. I've actually suffered through uh, some depression myself. I mean, uh, uh, I uh, grew up uh, as a kid of de- Divorced parents, so my uh, uh, parents divorced. That left me quite broken as a uh, teenager. I go vote more shy in high school. I had to go through a lot of self-healing, counseling. I overcame the depression, the uh, the loneliness, the insecurities, the self-doubt. 
but then um, around the time I was going to get married, it kind of uh, came back again uh, because I had all these fears. Uh, what if I repeat the same mistakes when I get married? What if I, I'm not a good dad to my kids? Uh, so I had a lot of fears and anxieties about fatherhood and marriage. Um, and then the last little bout I had um, was uh, when I was in Vancouver and I was already married and had kids. And I was feeling so dissatisfied, uh, Nikki, and uh, for the listeners and viewers, I was um, suburbanized. I call it suburbanized. I was domesticated and I was just going back and forth to dropping my kids off at school. But I felt there was something more. Um, this desire for adventure and uh, uh, purpose and meaning and significance, but I felt I was just kind of a domesticated dad, if you will. Um, yeah. uh, so I fell into a little bit of a depression, and then my wife's like, hey, what do you want to do? You know, you can't just be sitting around and watching Netflix all the time. So I actually ended up, um, uh, you know, leaving with my wife and kids to travel, and that's really um, uh, been a great solution for my struggles. Because now I'm living on purpose, I'm loving what we're doing, I'm hanging out with my wife and kids all the time, and uh, we're really being present. Uh, we're not so busy working and building up businesses that we don't have time for our little kids. And um, it's so crucial, uh, the stage that now that we're the present mom and dad that we need to be. So I, I wanted to share that, um, just yeah, because um, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers have also struggled, uh, maybe like I have. So tell us about your journey, Nikki. Um, um, I wanted to create the space for you to share as well uh, about how did your depression and anxiety start, and maybe you can share a few of your struggles over the years. Yeah, um, sure. It started when I was... It, it was all on the back of a, a bad breakup and probably smoking excessive amounts of marijuana and drinking far too much. Um, we were in the same, myself and my girlfriend at the time, uh, were in the same core group of friends. We went to the same school. So we we're all hanging out with each other. And, I, you know, shit just got weird. And uh, it didn't make me feel very comfortable. So I just distracted myself with weed. Um, which we were all doing anyway, but this one particular evening, uh, myself and my friend were, were doing, were indulging more than others. Um, and I got the giggles. I don't know if you've ever, uh, if you, if you've ever smoked it in your life, but like, uh, <laughs> yes, it familiar can, with the term. It, it can often make you laugh uncontrollably. Um, we had taken a lot and he was just chasing me around the house and I was just in, in fits of laughter and that was all good. And then I went back into the living room where everyone else was hanging out and I became increasingly paranoid. Then I went to the bathroom and like, nothing was working and I just, I, I had a complete meltdown in there and I had to, I, had, I was just here going like, how am I going to get out of this house? Like I'm just freaking out because I, I, I was convinced that if I just get out of the house, everything will be okay. So then I, I legged it out of the house, didn't say goodbye to anyone or anything. And then I forgot my phone. I was here going, oh my God, if I have to call the ambulance, went up, rang the doorbell. And these are all my best friends who I've been to school with for the last six years in a boarding school. I rang the doorbell and then just freaked out and ran down the street. And also like I had a major panic attack. Um, I'm sure that we played a part, but there were underlying issues as well. Um, and that, that, that started it like for, you know, for the next 12, 13 years that it completely changed the trajectory of my life. 
for better or good, who knows? Um, I'm not complaining now, living out in Bali, kind of doing what I love and not set to a schedule where I'm, I'm complaining on a daily basis about having to go to work on a Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for that matter. Um, but yeah, it was an incredibly hard time. I really didn't understand what was going on. Um, and that's why I started writing the book kind of like, and that's, you know, what I teach people when I, when I work with them, cause I'm surprised how many people, you know, there still is a major stigma out there and, and especially with guys, how they just keep it to themselves. Their parents don't know this is going on in their lives. Their best friends don't know it's been going on in their lives and they're not coming after, you know, if someone comes to you, you know, having suffered panic attacks for a month or two, that's like the easiest job in the world. You know, they're, they're usually coming having suffered with crippling anxiety for, for several years. And everybody with anxiety disorders like that are, that are that bad become really good actors. Um, because no one really knows how to deal with it. Uh, you know, parents are scared because, you know, maybe they have their own guilt associated with it or something like that. There's no adequate training. And so when they do, if they, you know, history has told them when they do reach out, what they get back in return doesn't, doesn't necessarily help them. It's brushed off or anything like that. Um, or, you know, it's just in your head, whatever. And, and that just makes things worse for them because they, you know, they're already beating themselves up big time. So, um, yeah, I think, did I go off the subject there? But basically, no, I mean, uh, thank you for sharing my story. And how, how have you uh, overcome it to yourself, uh, to some degree? What have you done to overcome it? Yeah, a lot. Um, so, I mean, yoga, yoga was probably one of the first things that I ever started doing that I really noticed a shift in, in my mindset and, in, in, you know, my overall health. I never even, you know, I've never had weight issues or anything like that. But over, over the time without paying too much attention, I think I was on antidepressants at the time as well. I was, you know, you know I certainly have put on a bit of weight um nothing nothing major but like so when i started doing yoga i just noticed that you know i was in way better shape after you know six months of doing yoga i was in as good a shape as i was 10 years ago when i was in school doing sports every day um i i had much greater mental clarity um and you know yoga is well one of the eight limbs of yoga is meditation so it's like a gateway to meditation too and you're breathing then I started doing meditation and then I remember one day like I used to walk around perpetually feared if I bump into someone I knew or something like that I didn't want to have a conversation with them because I feared I'd have a panic attack and one day I was that happened and I just like all of a sudden just found myself concentrating subconsciously on my breath and, and panic attack averted and I was able to enjoy the the conversation inside my head i was i was jumping around for joy going oh holy shit finally finally something as good as happening but there was a lot of things that, i mean i saw an awful lot of specialists my, my parents were amazing at you know providing me with as much help as they could get me but the reality is a lot of that help didn't help me i mean not to say that it wouldn't help someone else but i found it pretty useless um, I embarked on a lot of coaching programs as well. 
and throughout the years over a very long space of time it doesn't i'm not like looking for sympathy or anything like that but 13 years excuse my language is a long fucking time and we you know that's that's no way to live and too many people are having to endure that because the proper resources aren't out there but if they can you know find the courage to actually put their hand up and, and get the proper support early on you know problem averted they can go back to normal life pretty quickly the longer it's left to manifest the more unraveling and work you have to do it's not fun work but it's very doable and it's a lot simpler than the media and all the different stigmas coming at different angles angles as well as from people who suffer with anxiety and depression because they're believing other um false narratives put out there so it's a tricky it's a tricky one but um you know i'd like to see governments actually get up off their ass and do something about it and and implement emotional intelligence into education systems and things like that absolutely and you know uh, just being by being open transparent honest through things like these interviews uh i think it really is making a difference because uh the more we share uh, the more it allows other people to realize they're not alone and they've gone uh, they can go through the struggles alone as well um, so uh, How do you help people in your coaching? I mean if someone is going through anxiety panic attacks depression uh, What kind of tools uh, strategies support do you provide? Giving away my secrets uh, Yeah, please do share away yeah, well, I, I'll put them on a medic, me, meditation program that I've developed through uh, my, a good friend, um, Engel. I can never pronounce his second name. He's, he's a pranayama teacher, so he's absolutely incredible. Um, uh, you know, um, and I, I created a meditation, so it, it incorporates meditation and pranayama. So pranayama is more active breath and um you know, I think that's like meditation on steroids. So you get a combination of the two of them really helps induce calm within the body. A lot of it is, is the less fun part is actually, you know, addressing the source, you know, whether, whether you're, you're holding, cause there's a lot of anger built up and we live in a society where we're just taught to repress anger. It's bad and all that kind of stuff, but it has to, you have to let it out from time to time. It's ridiculous. Um, so there's a few specific tools and stuff that I help them deal with that. Um, if if it's specific traumas, um, you know, if it's if it's stuff linked to parents, to childhood, to bullying, all those, you know, they're all they're all relevant. And depending on the individual and, and what's going on, if they're 